comes out and is like, love you, Mom, love you, Dad, hugs. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And he starts walking back to the room with his little footy pajamas. And I'm like, sleep well, buddy. And he just stops. And the parents like, you shouldn't have said that. He goes, no. And turns around and walks back out. It's like, ah, it's like, what? All I said was sleep well. It's like, yeah, but he thought you were telling him what to do now. And so he won't do it. It's like, bunch of little rebels, these kids. It's like, and he was tired. You could tell he's tired, but like, I'm just not sleeping because you said to sleep. Um, so in this, in this scripture, Jesus, some background for it, Jesus is speaking to his disciples right after the Last Supper. And this is right after Judas has left to go and betray Jesus. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's about to happen and what they must do and how they must be. And so let's, let's go to the scripture, John 14. We're going to go 21 to 24. It says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we want to press, press into you. We want to get closer to you in this season as a family, Lord. We want to get closer to you on an individual basis, Lord. We want to know what it looks like to be your sons and your daughters, Lord. We want to know what it's like to hear from you every day, Jesus. We want to know what it's like as we're walking around in the world to just hear your thoughts, Lord, to think as you think and to be as you want us to be. And we love you, Lord. And uh, we want to obey you because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so tonight, we're not going to really talk about why we're rebel punks. We're just going to understand that it, that's the way it is. And if you deny that, well, that's a whole other conversation you can have with your friends. Um, but if you deny that, I guess you're kind of a rebel, right? Um, instead, we're going to talk about what we must do and why. And uh, so... Obviously, we must learn what obedience is in the deepest sense possible. And so, we don't really understand what true obedience is in America. We just don't. Um, we have now, depending on who you talk to, we might, they might say we're either a democracy or a republic. Uh, but it's not God's way. That is not God's way. Uh, our governmental system is the best so far that history has seen from keeping brutal dictators out of office. It's not perfect. It's very much not perfect. Uh, but what happens when an entire nation hates God, as we're starting to see our country turn to? Right? Very out there in the open, our nation hates God. Uh, while they might think life is great, right? You hear people say America is the greatest country ever, which might be true. Um, but it's, it's just because you're allowed to roll around in your complete selfishness. Just like it's mud, you can roll around in it like a pig, and no one's going to say anything to you until you call them out on their selfishness. In, in Judges, uh, we have a similar situation. Israel is deep in sin, riddled with sin, because every man, the Bible says, every man did as he saw right in his own eyes. Every man did as he saw right in his own eyes. And isn't that kind of how America is? I'm going to do right as I see it in my own eyes. As long as, you know, I just don't really hurt someone, obviously. Um, 
The kingdom of God, though, is complete totalitarianism. Have you thought about that? The kingdom of God is a totalitarian regime. E. Stanley Jones, like we were talking about, he is the man who Daniel talked about last week in the book called The Christ in the Indian Road. Uh, me and my buddy Xavier here are reading a book from him called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person. If you know it's good for you, you'll buy it. Yeah. E. Stanley Jones says if you trust in earthly totalitarianisms, right, fascism, Nazism, communism, any of those, you will always find yourself in total bondage. You will always find somehow people, I guess they just didn't read their history books. But when we trust in Jesus' totalitarianism, we find nothing but total freedom. Even though it's a totalitarian regime, we find nothing but total freedom. No one voted God into office. He is the office. Right? He is king in every sense of the manner. Whether a person likes it or not, God's the king of the universe. God is a totalitarian. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't really share that throne with anyone. By nature, he's the only one. We, uh, we like to write, whine about my rights. Right? Do we have this flag up here? Right? Don't tread on me. That was like how our nation started, right? Don't tread on me, King George. It's King George, right? Any history nerds? Yeah. Don't, don't impede my rights. And, and then we have today, like, social justice warriors, like, oh, my rights. And then the other side's like, oh, my rights. And, like, it's not fair and equality. And it all sounds good, right? But these have all been twisted to just be reasons to disobey God. Yeah. Have you thought about that? Wow. Um, another thing, if you're smart, you'll listen to is a, a sermon called Yielding Rights by Winky Pratney. Yeah. Write it down. Yielding rights by Winky Pratney. It'll hopefully make you mad and then you'll repent. Um, people often try to say the Bible condones slavery, sexism, and communism. Have you ever heard that? The Bible, doesn't the Bible condone slavery? Isn't the Bible sexist? Uh, this is called complete biblical illiteracy. This is when you, when you pick through the Bible trying to find all its little faults and you're not reading it to know Jesus. Right? Which is the whole point of the Bible is to read it to know Jesus. Yeah. You'll find all the little flaws because you're not reading them with the right heart and the right context. Mm -hmm. The Bible isn't primarily concerned with these things, though. It's not. It, it mentions historical facts. It mentions scientific facts. Mm -hmm. It has poetry, but it's not primarily any of those things. It's a book about the Lord and who He is. Yeah. Um, instead, the Bible is trying to say, in all situations, love and obey the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can look all throughout the Bible... And everything it talks about is because Jesus is trying to get people to understand to love and obey the Lord, and they're not. And here's a scary thing for us. Uh, it even says to obey humans. That's a, it can be a scary thing, and that's why we have this system in our government. Uh, so you ask, but Brian, what about ungodly rulers commanding things? Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. Right? Um, there is no law that man can give that will outweigh God's law. So the only time you can ever justly, righteously disobey a leader is if it goes against, directly against God's law. It's the only one. Uh, but anyway, let's go into this, this scripture. It's a really long one. Uh, as David Pawson says, I want to read as much of the word as God as possible because every word is worth saying and the more I say of that, it makes my sermon sound better. 
So, 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. I'm just going to read it out, and if it makes you angry... (laughs) For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Fear God and respect Donald Trump. Fear God and respect Barack Obama when he was president. Whatever. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Okay, I already said that. Uh, You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. You who are slaves must respect your master. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. Right? You, you worker, respect your boss, even if they're cruel, even if you have a cruel boss. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. Thank God you won't get beaten at your job. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He has never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if you refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the hour beauty of fancy hairstyles. I can't expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, God, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should your, about your prayers. Treat her, treat her so you sh- your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. And I'm going to continue that last thought from Galatians 5, 13 to 16. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I don't even know if I need to say anything after all that. Similar to faith... Similar to faith, obedience is rooted in love and trust in a character. Yeah. Right? We don't say faith is just, I hate that corny, like, just have faith. 
That's, that's what the guy that has no idea what hardship is like. That's what he says. Just have faith. Or uh, the guy that doesn't know how you know, gravity works and, oh, I'm going to jump off this building and just have faith. And I have faith in gravity. That's what I have faith in. Um, but biblical faith is rooted in the character of Jesus and trusting in him. In a similar manner, obedience is rooted in love and trust in his character. When we say have faith, we don't really know what's going on, right? So we have faith that his character is good. But when Jesus is saying be obedient, we know exactly what we must do. Yeah. Right? When he says have faith, we don't exactly know what's going on. Mm-hmm. We just have to trust in his character. Yeah. When he's saying be obedient, he always issues a command. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know why. We just have to know what he said. Um, obedience is doing what is asked of me and doing it quickly because I love you. Yeah. Obedience is doing what is asked of me and doing it quickly because I love you. That's it. It's that simple. In Matthew 8, uh, 5 to 10, if you know the story of the centurion and Jesus, I'll just read it out. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. My soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and that one, Come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. When it says Jesus was amazed, you better freak out and understand something's going on. The centurion is saying, I have authority. When I tell something to obey, it does. You, the king of the universe, can tell sickness to obey, and it will. No matter where you are, this man understood that. Jesus is the king of the universe, right? Even the winds, the disciples freak out. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? He yells at a storm to be muzzled, and he goes back to sleep, right? Yeah. So what, are, what does Jesus command us? Um, in your life, he might tell you certain things. He told me to get out of the military. I had an eight-year contract with the army uh, to make the story really short, and I obeyed him, and he miraculously provided a way out. And I've, looking back, I have no idea how it happened. It was absolutely a miracle. Um, and, and looking back at, at what I had to go through, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't even know if I could do that today. That was scary. But I knew Jesus said a thing, and I must obey it. So Jesus gives us two, two commands, though. Love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on this. That's all you really need to know. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. And I find myself thinking about this all the time. And how me and my small group say, it's like, man, if you go off on rabbit trails in small group, you'll talk about everything, because everything's connected. And then I run out of small group material because we've talked about everything in one night. Um, But all we have to do is obey those two things. And it's really simple, but I guess it's not that easy because we don't like doing it. Obedience does not ask why, it just does what's asked. Obedience doesn't ask why, it just does what's asked. And even if you do want to ask why, you're not going to be condemned, you just might not be told. we see this when the Lord commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, right? If everyone knows that story, um, the Lord told Abraham, sacrifice your son. 
Abraham went up on the mountain was going to do it. And then, you know, just pull that first, very first picture up again. He's that. I just love that painting. Right? He's about to do it. And then an angel comes and says, don't. You obeyed, right? You proved your trust in your friend to the Lord. Uh, you can go back to the other one now. We like to lie to ourselves to get out of things, don't we? Yeah. It's, it's really easy, especially if it's a thing difficult, right? If you've ever heard it say, intellectual deception always follows moral rejection. Yeah, you first must morally hate a thing, and then you'll intellectually deceive yourself into saying that I'm right. Right? If the Lord tells you to do a thing and you don't want to, man, you can come up with all sorts of scientific arguments to not do it. We may have been asked to do something scary or difficult or just something we hate, and uh, we might just only try and do half of it. Right? There's this one time, it was at our SALT conference that we do every winter break, and the Lord told me, I have a message for someone in the crowd, and you're supposed to ask to go up to the microphone and give it. And it's like in front of like 2,000 people, I'm like, ugh. How about I, I don't do that? Right? That sounds... 2,000 people, and I'm supposed to go up to the microphone and give a thing, trusting that the Lord knows what He's talking about. And so I started coming with all these things, like, okay, Lord, if that was, like, really you, like, I remember, I remember the guy in the Bible, he, like, laid out the sheepskins, right? And, like, so if it really was you, um, make a fly, like, land on my hand or something. And that's how I'll know you're really telling me to do this. And it never happened. And I started freaking out. Oh, man, like, there's flies everywhere. What if fly really does land on my hand? It's just a coincidence. Okay, Lord, and then this other thing. I'm trying to make this whole, right, bunch of things that the Lord's going to have to knock down for me to know it's Him. And none of it ever happened. But I knew the Lord had told me. And I'm sitting there shaking. And then before I know it, the night's over with. And everyone's gone. And I missed it. And I was completely so mad at myself. Right? I still didn't want to do it, but I know, like, I disobeyed the Lord. And some things you can go back and fix, but there's no way I can, hey, everyone, 2,000 people, come back in here, sit in your seat. I have to tell you a thing. I missed it. And I'm sure each of you can think of a time where you did that. And I have millions of stories that I've told my small group. Um, but here's what, here's what Leonard Ravenhill says. Leonard Ravenhill says partial obedience is just disobedience. Yeah. Right? If the Lord gave me a thing to say, let's say I did get up there in front of those 2,000 people. Let's say the Lord gave me a really hard message and I only gave the nice half. Then I'm completely disobeying Him. Right? Um, What if the Lord, right? We do street preaching every once in a while and some of you might have done it. It's awesome. Let's say the Lord gives you a message. The Lord says, get up there and say this very hard thing and everyone's going to hate you. And you get up there, and you kind of dance around it. You, my friend, are disobedient. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, right? Well, I got up there, right, and I said some things, but then you missed it. In John, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. Have you guys ever thought about this? Have you thought about, can my friends command me? Does that sound like something that meshes with our culture? My friends can command me. We don't like that, right? Like, no, my friends, like, we, we like the same, like, video games or, you know, movies or, or whatever. And, like, we'll, like, talk about, like, 
the guy we like. I don't do that. My songwriter didn't do that. That was my girl impression. Anyway. Um, but have you thought about if your friend comes to you? Here, here's one that I think needs to be said more often than not. Well, that's an overstatement. Here's one that might need to be said sometimes. Hey, you need to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. They're not any good for your life. Do your friends have the right to command that? And I don't mean like suggest, right? You know someone's not your friend and they're like, hey, like, there's this thing. And what do you think about that? I don't know. But your friend can come up to you and say, you must, you must do this. Because here the th- here's the thing. I know like me and Daniel have been best friends for a long time because we're both nerds. Daniel could come up to me and say, Brian, you must do this. And even if I ask why, because I'm trying to, you know, figure out why, even if I don't, I know Daniel would give his life for me. And so why would I not take what he says seriously? He's not going to gain anything from me doing X, Y, Z. He's not going to get anything out of it. If anything, he's probably already wept about having to tell me a hard thing. Why would I not let those who I love command me? Not suggest, command Right? It sounds scary. It sounds really scary. Um, you may not be able to pick your king, but you can pick your friends. Yeah. If you've got really bad friends, I don't need to say anything else about that. Um, you know they're your friends if you can love and trust them enough to command you. And you know they're your friends if you can say those things to them too. Um, If you love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus says we have to. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll be able to say those hard things and you'll be able to accept them. James 1.26 says, If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Ouch. Do you guys get what this is saying? If we love our neighbor as ourselves, and if we want to obey Jesus in this, you must hate gossip. You must hate gossip. We have to all kill it. Otherwise our Chi Alpha is going to die. It's not going to ever glorify Jesus. And in our culture, it's such an easy thing. And it can be so fun. Did you know what this person did? I know things. And sometimes it's easy to justify it. In your mind, because you say, well, I'm not really gossiping. I just, I want to tell people so we can all pray for them. Right? I'll tell you what, you know that's true if you've been on your knees and you've been weeping for them for that. And you say, I can't fight this battle for my friend on my own. Who's their other close friend that I can bring in on this? And not to talk about them behind their back. But because we're going to go to our prayer closets and die in prayer for our friend. And it's going to stay between the two of us. Right? That was very shoehorned in. But best friends have to be able to be naked and vulnerable and comfortable before each other. Right? That's what loving one another means. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Shame cannot exist in a loving, trusting environment. It just can't. Um, We can safely trust our well-being more, right? I can safely trust my well-being to my friend Xavier than to myself. I can trust my well-being more to Daniel than 
I care more for my own well-being. And guys especially, like, right? Like, guys just do stupid stuff, right? We get broken bones and cuts. Like, I, I shouldn't hold blades ever because I cut myself. Anyway, I'm just stupid. Guys are stupid. And you girls, you know your own thing. Okay. Thank you, wife. I'm so dumb, I, I will do stupid things and physically harm myself. I can count that Daniel will never bury a hatchet in my shin like I've done. <laughs> Your friends want the best for you. Anyway, you don't love Jesus if you don't obey him. You don't love your friends if you don't obey them. You know, here's the thing. Jesus is the king worthy of obeying in all things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would, I would say my friends are worthy of obeying, but you cannot argue that Jesus is the king worthy of obeying. Yeah. And this is the whole point of all our speeches, all our sermons, whatever this summer, everything we're trying to drive at is get closer to Jesus. Right? Yeah. Um, I really don't care about politics. I feel like you know, some horrible regime taking over America might be what saves America. Um, but that's all beside the point. We're going to get closer to Jesus. Now, when we're talking about obeying Jesus, I, need, I feel like I need to clarify some things. Um, if you ever heard of people, right, right? Jesus as king, God as king, means sovereign, right? He is the sovereign of the world. He lets us choose to be in his kingdom. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Why do we worship God? Why do we worship God? Some people, and I would have to disagree with them and in a way that I'm just like, look, just stop reading books and get on your knees and hang out with Jesus. This is, this is what I'm trying to get at. We need to hang out with Jesus. If you say, I worship God because of his power. If you say God is worthy of glory because of his uh, position, I'd have to very strongly disagree and say you need to know him. I worship God because his character. I worship, this is, why did Jesus come onto the earth and reveal the Father? Why did Jesus have to come to reveal? Everyone, everyone knows, even the pagans know that there's some God with all power. And they worship those gods. Our God is different because He is good. Yeah. Right? He's gentle yet firm. He died on a cross. We don't worship Him. He's not king because He's powerful. That's a tyrant. We worship Him because of His character. Right? And here's, here's the, the other thing. If you really want to bring glory to God, you have to know Him. You have to be close to Him. Because every knee in the end of time will bow anyway. Every knee will bow. Every knee will proclaim his power. Yeah. But we know that's not what salvation is. Mm. Salvation is proclaiming his goodness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't worship a big rock because it's heavy. Well, you don't worship a big rock anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's if, if anyone tells you that God should be glorified because he is, just because he's sovereign, they're wrong. God is glorified because of who He is. Does that make, am I getting to everyone? Yeah. Anyway, He's a good King. He's a good King. And here's how we know He's good. Because He's already done everything He could ever ask us to do. He's already done it. 
And if it's not written about in the Bible, you know he's going to do it with you. Right? He can tell you to stand up and preach because he stood up and preached. Right? He can tell you to say that hard thing to your friend because he said many more hard things to his friends. He can tell you to pray over someone and expect them to be healed because he's done it. Does that make sense? Jesus commands us because he loves us and he knows what's best. One of my favorite stories from Winky Prattney, and I'm sure we've said it a million times, it's just so funny. He's talking about worshiping God, and some kid, some punk kid, right, because all the kids are punks, raises his hands and goes, why do we have to worship Jesus? Why him? And Winky, being the clever, doesn't care what people think of him guy, he says, okay, well, I'm up for ideas, right? I'd, I'd like to know what's re- true and real. Like, what? give me some other suggestions. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm open ideas. And this kid's like, well, why don't we all, like, you know, worship me? And, and Winky goes, that's simple. You're not good enough and you're not smart enough. Sit down. <laughs> right? You're not good enough. You are not good enough. You can trust Jesus to everything because he really does care for your well-being. Yeah. He cares for the best of you. Even if that means dying. Yeah, yeah that's good. Because if you're, a, if you're in a place where he can command you to go and die somewhere, then you're, you have to be close enough to him to know that this life isn't about you in the first place. We see there's two battles going on every day. The first is the battle for your soul, right? The first is the battle for your soul, your walk with God, right? That's, that's where you go. That's when you're like in your prayer closet and you're hanging out with Jesus, right? And you're weeping and you're repenting. The second battle, this is where the devil knows if he can't stop you from walking with Jesus, he can stop you from doing anything, right? We say we're an army and a family. Yeah. An army has to do something. If the devil can't stop you from walking with Jesus, he's going to stop you from fighting for anyone else to walk with Jesus. Yeah. If he calls you to go and die somewhere, right, he has your well-being in mind because you understand the fight for the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. In Youth of Flame, again, Winky, Winky Prattney, he says, if we love God, which of his com- commands can we not obey? If we love God, which of his laws can we not obey? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to only obey God? If you love him, yeah. I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to spend time with Jesus otherwise? If you don't love him, you don't care what he says, why would you want to spend time with him? Um, here's the thing it's, it's not always easy to to like say like God I'm going to spend an hour with you right sometimes you've got a busy day and sometimes you get feeling guilty like I haven't spent time with God in a while sometimes you just don't want to wake up because it's summer and you know it's fun to be lazy every once in a while but here's the thing, if you have not heard God in a while, it might be because you refuse to obey Him. Wow. He will not tell you the next thing if you've refused to do the first thing. Yeah. Right? If, if He's commanded you to do something and you have disobeyed it, why would He go on and tell you more things? I don't want to say God doesn't want to waste His breath, but I think He doesn't want to hold you responsible for something that you aren't willing to be responsible for. Wow. Right? Yeah. He says if you're responsible to the small things, you'll be, you'll be held responsible 
for the big things. But you have to work your way up to it. He's not going to put the world on your shoulders, right? But here's the thing. If we want to be close to him, we must obey. We must do those hard things. We must do those small things. If you haven't heard him, look back in your journal. No matter how long it's been, look back in your journal. Think to the last time you heard him. And I guarantee you, he probably told you to do something and you didn't want to do it. And it'll be a silence. I could have stayed in the army. I could have had fun with guns, run around the desert, doing whatever army dudes do, and I wouldn't be here. And I can look at several of you that wouldn't be here, not trying to toot my own horn. Um, Daniel could have never wanted to come down here, right? The Lord told us to do a thing, and we said yes. And the tacos made it pretty easy. But the greatness in the kingdom, greatness in God's kingdom, right? Not that we're out to achieve greatness, but because we love Jesus and he is great, we want to be like him. And we want to be great in his eyes, right? Greatness in the kingdom of Jesus directly relates to how low we can make our spirit, how, how much we can bow to him and obey his commands. If someone, right, you're on campus, someone with a cast walks by, and Jesus says, hey, pray over them, out loud. In fact, not even just out loud, very loud, to be healed in my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a risk, right? Yeah. Our, uh, our friend Dick Brogdon, who's a missionary in the Middle East, he said there was one time he, uh, he was at a funeral, and the Lord told him to pray over the body to come back to life out loud. And he did, and nothing happened. But he was faithful to it. He was freaking out, God, why? And uh, if you want to know the rest of the story, buy the book, This Gospel. I'm not going to give it to you. So, haha, you have to be responsible for things. It is never truly risky on your part to obey Jesus. It is never risky on your part to obey Jesus. You just hold yourself too high, I guess. I hold myself too high. It's never our reputation at risk. It's always his. If he says to do a thing, right? if he says, heal that person with the cast, pray over them to be healed, and then it doesn't happen, it's not your reputation on the line. It's his name. You're praying in his name, not yours. Right? And he, he might heal them. Right? And people might freak out and come to know him. If he doesn't, he's got a reason. You might never find out. But that's not, that's not our part. Our part is to hear and obey. We know we love Jesus if we obey what he says. If you know you have trouble obeying him, the only cure is the same as the cure for everything else. The only way you'll ever want to obey him is to glimpse his glory in his kingdom. And that only comes with spending extravagant time with him. Right? Everything we're pushing for, spending time with Jesus, spending, pressing in. You might hear some people calling it abiding with Christ, living with Christ. In everything, right? When you're driving down the road, you're living with Jesus. When you're eating your food, you're living with Jesus. When you're taking your shower, living with Jesus. When you're waking up and you're really grumpy, you don't get out of bed and go to work, you're living with Jesus. John, going back to it, John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. If the band wants to come back up. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. We can trust Jesus and obey him because he's good. He's perfectly exampled on this earth what obedience looks like. He's already done it. We just have to look like him. He, he perfectly ob- demonstrated this when he was obedient to the Father, right? When he went onto the cross in obedience to the Father to take upon himself all the disobedience that you and I commit daily. The one who was perfectly obedient took on all our disobedience. Nobody is more deserving of our love and complete obedience than him. No matter what he asks. Um, I didn't know if I'd tell this story, but it just, it hit me so hard. And we might have told it before, but it's just so good. And it just randomly came to my mind last night. And so I guess I'll just tell a abbreviated version of this guy named William Borden. Has anyone here heard of William Borden? Has anyone heard of Borden Milk? Everyone knows Borden Milk. This guy in the early 1900s was the heir, you could say, to the Borden Milk throne. He was a millionaire, and he got radically saved. And he went to Yale, and at Yale, um, he decided, I'm going to be a missionary. And so in his Bible, he wrote no reserves. Everyone's like, you're an idiot, right? You're, you're a millionaire. Why do you want to go be a missionary? His parents don't understand. You have this whole milk empire. Sounds weird to say. <laughs> he says, you have this. Is, you, have this. You, you can have the cushiest, easy life. Right? He said no. And in his time in college, right? His college ministry here and his, not really Chi Alpha, but in his Chi Alpha, he changed the entire campus of Yale. Think about Yale. Think about how it is now. And imagine if this happened at Yale today. 1,000 of the 1,300 students got saved. Wow. Wow. Because this man walked to Jesus and he said, I will obey him, no matter how ridiculous it may seem. And they, people said he would often be seen at nights bringing homeless people to get meals, witnessing to people in the streets. Just the guy transformed the campus because he loved Jesus and he was obedient. And he went through seminary after he graduated Yale, and the Lord put on his heart to go preach to Muslims in China. Wow. And so he said, that's where I'm going to go. And everyone's calling him an idiot. So an idiot. Like, don't do it. Don't. Why would you do this? Why would you do that? What? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you go and do this? And in his Bible, next to no reserves, he wrote, no retreats. God's called me this. I'm going to do it. There's no backing down. So he, he stopped in Egypt. And actually, uh, any of my friends have been to Cairo. I don't know, Bobby, if you got to go to the cemetery. He's buried in a cemetery in Cairo. Because as he went through, he was going to try and learn Arabic on his way to China to preach to the Muslims. And he contracted spinal meningitis. And on his deathbed, he wrote, no regrets. He didn't even get to where he was going. But he said, Jesus called me and I will obey. Right? He could have stayed rich in America and been wealthy and healthy. But instead, he didn't even get to where he thought he was supposed to go. Right? He didn't know the end of the story. God said go and he obeyed. And he said, no regrets. Right? And he's still remembered to this day. A guy that, according to what his mission was, didn't even get close. Right? But that's not the mission. The mission is to love and obey Jesus. And if we want to see this campus changed, if you want to see your families changed, 
And when you graduate, if you want to see your workplace change, you're going to see the valley changed all the way to the ends of the earth. All you have to do is love Jesus and be ready to obey anything he says. Right? So let's press into him. Let's press into him tonight. Let's obey everything he ever tells us because we want to keep hearing from him because we love him.